Hello, I'm Dr. Justin Chi, and welcome to Chairside Live. Today, Dr. Anna Maria Murishan will be discussing a case where she replaced a posterior bridge that was originally placed by the patient's previous dentist, who used an unconventional approach to address preps with differing paths of insertion. She will then share her own tips on how to avoid this common problem. Take it away, Dr. Mirishan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my new Chairside Life episode. Today, I'm going to talk about how I get around a problem that I often face. When I am preparing the abutments for posterior mandibular bridges, I have always been conscious that my preparation may not be parallel enough to draw on a common path of placement. A good example is today's case. In this case, you will see how the previous dentist or technician had an unorthodox solution to this problem. This 50-year-old male patient presented with a three-unit metal bridge that had open margins, resulting in significant secondary caries. Due to the patient's delay in restoring the edentulous area, we can see the mesial inclination of 31 and how a premolar-shaped pontic took the place of number 30. Upon clinical examination, there was a fracture on the occlusal just between the interproximal embrasures distal to number 29. It was hard to see because the rest of the area was polished, so I thought this was a violation of connector space, and over time, due to occlusal forces, the connector fractured. But here you can see that I was able to pass the floss all the way through the interproximal area between the pontic and the abutment, and I did this without tearing the floss. The surface felt smooth. When I asked the patient if he remembers biting on something hard or if the bridge felt movable, patient reported that he was aware the prosthesis was actually made of two separate pieces. He also reported that his previous dentist cemented one piece first, then the other. The x-ray confirmed that there was an oblique cut made distal to 29, and that was puzzling to me. Not until I removed the bridge, I understood that this was the dentist or the technician's way to deal with the draw problem. So here I am cutting off the bridge using a 557 carbide burr. I made the cut along the vertical and occlusal of 31 and 29 and used Christensen crown remover to break the cement bond. I knew that if I'll grab the pontic area, only one piece will come off, the other will remain behind since the pieces were not connected. After removal of the metal prosthesis, I noticed that not much preparation was done on 31. Mesial marginal ridge of the enamel was still present, and mesial inclination of the tooth created a significant undercut on the mesial of number 31. The way the cut was made, it prevented the pontic to act as a leverer under the occlusal forces. There was no vertical bone defect around number 31. Very ingenious solution, definitely not the right one. However, this prosthesis served the patient for many years. Sometimes, locating an undercut presents a clinical challenge for me, but here it was pretty obvious that the tooth structure had to be removed from the mesial of 31 in order to parallel the preps. My goal was to place the gingival, facial, and occlusal depth cuts, remove caries, 
provide occlusal clearance and a common path of insertion for a new obsidian pressed to metal bridge. This metal bridge had major open areas where the cement washed off, possibly because of a buccal lingual undercut. The poor marginal adaptation created a large amount of cervical caries on the lingual area of the molar. Besides cervical caries, both teeth had secondary caries in close proximity to the pulp. There was a distal caries on number 29 and also one on buccal of number 31. Here, after opening the lesion with a carbide burr, I'm removing the caries infected dentin using a spoon excavator. After the initial carry removal, I use centric expose caries indicator to highlight the area that required further caries removal. Then I use a porcelain burr, Cera burr from Comet, to remove the remaining caries and residual dye. In my experience, using this burr is a lot safer than using conventional low-speed carbide burrs. When used at 2000 RPM, I can feel when I am in healthy dentin because this burr will start skipping when sound dentin is reached. Just before cavity closure, here you see me using two successive coats of cavity desensitizer G5. Dical and vitra bond were used as a liner and a base. Tooth was etched and bond before building up the remaining tooth structure with Tycor. Each successive coat was light cured for 20 seconds. Same carriage removal steps were used to remove the extensive secondary carries on number 29. After the tooth structure was rebuilt, I completed the preparation for a more functional and a more aesthetic obsidian press to metal bridge. Like I said, producing parallel preps is a clinical challenge task for me and sometimes impossible to achieve without producing preparation undercuts. Prepared teeth should have parallel access to produce common path of insertion and ensure a passive seating of the prosthesis. To minimize the discrepancy in axial inclination between abutments, what I found useful is to view both preps in my dual view mirror. Or, I sometimes rely on my assistant to hold a long mirror to provide me with the indirect view of both preps. While I have direct visibility from my side, I can put the burr against one prep and using my hand-eye coordination to freely move the handpiece, eyeballing the preparation walls and the insertion axis. With this method, I can check if the abutment axis will provide a common path of placement. The mirror helps me view the inter-abutment convergence from the opposite side, in the end, minimizing the undercuts. Fortunately, there are other methods rather than eyeballing that can provide better solution to the draw problems. At the end of this presentation, you will get to see how these methods can eliminate the possibility of another reprep appointment in case the preparation are not parallel enough to draw. After finalizing the preps, I'm utilizing the two-chord impression technique. After the first chord was packed, here I'm packing the second chord, then placing anatomical camper caps, getting ready for final impression. I don't like to use dual arch quad impression tray when I have the most distal tooth in the quadrant as part of the bridge preparation abutment. I will use a custom tray and for this case, I ask the lab to give me a full arch digitally designed custom tray. It is rigid and have retention holes so I confidently use capture impression material without the need for adhesive application. You can see here the biotem bridge being cemented in place. I didn't like the design of the pontic being shaped as a bicuspid. 
Since the elimination of the undercut provided more space mesiodistally, I requested a design modification in the final prosthesis. So to restore the function and provide better aesthetics, I requested the pontic to be shaped as a molar over the edentulous area of number 30. And here is at the final appointment after the provisional bridge was removed. Preps were clean and desensitized with two consecutive coats of G5 before the final cementation. A three-unit obsidian pressed to metal fixed partial denture was cemented in place using Reliax Looting Plus. You can see here that my assistant provided me with two strings of floss, each placed under the connector area, to help me hold and guide the prosthesis in such way that it will glide passively along the common path of insertion, ensuring a complete seat. All the excess cement was removed and occlusal was verified. Note how the technician was able to alter the previously designed biotem bridge and give the pontic a proper contour. In the end, we were able to establish better function with a very aesthetically pleasing obsidian pressed to metal bridge. In the last few minutes of this episode, I will show you two different solutions I sometimes use to eliminate the drop problem. This can minimize guesswork and avoid bringing the patient in for another appointment to reprep and reimpress. We will talk about both of these options using this case one of our doctors sent in. You will see that the dry issue was on mesial of the molar, very similar to my case I just presented. So, one option that will eliminate guesswork is to take a digital impression and rely on CAD CAM technology to show you exactly where the undercuts are. Another option is to rely on the lab to send you a reduction coping to adequately reduce the undercut. Out of the two, I prefer the first one. When holding this model, there are many different ways to view and to look at. I remember as a technician, I was very quick to point out the draw problem looking at the model. It is clinically challenging now because the only way I get to see the view that the technician gets is if I take a digital impression and look at the scan. From this scan image, I can evaluate the draw and pinpoint the undercut and go back to the mouth and make the necessary adjustments while I have the patient in the chair. With this doctor case, you can see here that the designer technician had a better view from the scan than doctor got in the mouth. When looking at this preparation individually, the preparation are somewhat tapered and we can visualize the margins. But this is a dual abutment fixed prosthesis and the prepared teeth should have parallel axes in order to produce a common path of insertion. Here, the digital design software showed the technician exactly where the undercut is and accurately indicating the amount needed to be reduced. The lab always suggests that we reprep and reimpress, but who wants to bring the patient in for another appointment? What you can do is to digitally capture the preps and send it via internet to the lab for evaluation. The lab can use their digital design software and send you back an image like this almost within minutes indicating the location and the amount of the adjustment before taking the final impression. I prefer this better than having the lab calling me later telling me to reprep. The second option is to use a reduction coping. Usually when the bridge wouldn't draw, the lab will give 
a call and say that the preps needs more taper, need to be prepped more. And if you don't want to reprep, they can send a reduction coping indicating the amount to be reduced for the bridge to fit. Here is a plastic coping that indicates where the undercut is and is translucent so you can see the tooth through it. When seated on the solid model, we can easily see the underprepared area sticking out of the opening. This amount of the tooth structure needs to be removed to match the plastic reduction coping provided by the lab. For this case, the exact amount of 0.8 millimeter is indicated by the software and the way we do this is by taking the coping in the mouth Put it down on the prep and adjust the tooth structure sticking out of this window until 0.8 millimeter undercut is removed. So to show you this, here is the reduction coping. I'll snap it onto the prep tooth and with the tapered diamond burr, I'll go across and remove the tooth structure until it's level with the edges of the coping. Then I'll be able to bring the bridge and place it on a common path of insertion. I found that this method is not always successful, especially if the undercut is located on the axial wall. I don't like to remove more than 0.5 millimeter because I can end up over tapering the abutment tooth. Over tapering may ensure a path of insertion, but also can cause a loss of retention form, especially in short abutments. If I reduce too close to the preparation finish line, then I can end up with an open margin of the restoration. For me, this method works better for occlusion reduction when I under-reduce the tooth. I will take the coping to the mouth and with the diamond burr I'll go across until the tooth structure is now leveled with the edges of the coping. I hope you find this episode useful in assessing which method works best for you when dealing with a draw problem that affects the path of insertion of your fixed prosthesis. Thank you again for watching, see you next time! Thank you, Dr. Mirashan. On behalf of everyone here at the lab, thanks for watching Cherisite Live, and we'll see you back here next time.